This presentation is from UX Australia 2018, held in Melbourne. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. it works cool. all right hello have you ever had one of those days uh, when everything seems to be against you like the universe is conspiring to ruin your day have you ever had one of those days I had one of those days last year that I distinctly remember it all started when I missed my regular morning train to work and then I had to waste the next 15 minutes waiting for the next train to arrive. When it did arrive, it was unusually crowded. So for the next 45 minutes, I had to stand quite uncomfortably till I reached my destination. I was late for my meeting that day. Later, I realized that I'd lost my phone charger and my phone was soon to run out of battery. And just when I was thinking it could not get any worse, I look out of the window and it's starting to rain it's dark, it's gloomy, and it's just like my mood day, that day. And beyond doubt, I was convinced that it is one of those days when nothing's gonna go all right. Anyway, around lunchtime, I pull out my phone um, to order my comfort food, a takeout burrito from Chipotle. Chipotle is a Mexican fast food chain in, uh, in the United States. Um, so I pull out my phone, get the app, and the first thing I notice is a big button which has my usual order in there. That's neat, I say to myself, and I tap on that button. The next page is a confirmation page where it has the pickup location and the time automatically like pre-selected and then Apple Pay and boom, it's done. You would not believe how much appreciation I had for the Chipotle app that day. <laughs> anyway, at around the pickup time, I go to, go to the restaurant and um, there's a long line, but uh, since I ordered online, I don't have to wait in line. I go straight up to the pickup counter, and the lady at the counter greets me by my, by, by my name, and she says, Yogesh, right? And I'm surprised, like, how do you know my name? But in a pleasant way. And, <laughs> and uh, she hands me over my burrito, and uh, then she asks me, do you need a cup of water? And I'm like, you read my mind, yes, please. Um, so I get my burrito and my cup of water, and later I notice there is a small detail on that burrito, which was, Great. So in stark contrast to how my day was going, this seemed to be a really delightful and easy experience. And more importantly, it got me thinking about the power of anticipatory experiences. Like in the case, the app anticipated my need, my, my next order. Uh, like in the case, the lady at the counter knew my name and she anticipated my need for a cup of water. All of these things got me convinced that when someone anticipates your needs, your experience gets so much better. My name is Yogesh and uh, I'm a designer. Uh, recently moved to Sydney, as you all know now, and uh, work for a company called LogMeIn. Um, and over the past year, I've been exploring the concept of anticipatory design and really excited to share all my learnings with you today. So let's start with the very basic question, what is anticipatory design? Well, it is about creating delightful experiences by anticipating user needs and eliminating needless choices. Um, Cute CEO Aaron Shapiro describes anticipatory design as design that is one step ahead of you. So what do we mean by that? Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, 
you get a text message from your friend who's planning to visit asking you for your home address. And just as you are about to type in your home address, um, a smart button pops up uh, on the messaging app with your home address pre-filled and all you have to do is tap on that button and send the address. Now, let's say on your regular morning commute, you go to a coffee shop, but this time you go and you walk up straight to the barista who greets you by your name, hands you over your cup of coffee and you walk out, that's it. You don't have to wait in line for the cashier, tell them your order, pull out your credit card from your wallet, pay for your coffee, then wait again for your coffee to be ready. All of that is taken care of from the moment you approach the coffee shop to the time you leave the coffee shop. Now let's say you go shopping and after hours of busy and frantic shopping, you just wanna get home. But guess what? You forgot where you parked your car. <laughs> Happens, <laughs> happened with me several times. Anyway, at the same time, your smartwatch buzzes, you look at it and magic happens. Your car is parked in B12, do you need directions? Yes, you say relieved. So what is unique about these three experiences is that they are triggered just at the right moment with exactly the information you need at the time. They are anticipatory. So what makes anticipatory design delightful? The answer lies in some of the very basic behavioral and psychological concepts. The first one is the principle of least effort. It's the theory that the key principle in, in, in any human action is spending the least amount of effort to accomplish a task. We use math for mathematics, plane for airplane, gonna is used instead of going because it has just two fewer phonemes to articulate, just two. The point is we prefer experiences that reduce our effort even by the slightest. So in the messaging app example, when you didn't have to type in your home address, however small that effort might be, feels great. Next is the feeling of being understood. Imagine you're driving in an unfamiliar part of the town and you need directions to a grocery store. Now, there might be one that is closest, but not the one you are likely to shop at. Wouldn't you want Google Maps or Google Assistant or Siri to give you directions to a store that you are more likely to shop at? Wouldn't you want a software that understands you? A study by the Department of Psychology, University of Virginia found that people reported greater life satisfaction on days they felt more understood by others. Anticipatory design has the power to transcend traditional relationships between tools and users and it can create experiences like, oh my God, you just read my mind. And if crafted well, these experiences can establish a strong sense of de desirability and appreciation for your product by the person using it. Next is the desire to feel important. John Dewey, one of the most profound philosophers and psychologists once said, the deepest urge in human nature is the desire to be important. You feel important when someone remembers your name, when somebody, someone anticipates your needs, when someone remembers your birthday, your anniversary. So in the Chipotle example, the lady at the counter made me feel important when she knew my name and she anticipated my need for a cup of water. That's the desire to feel important. Next and finally is surprise amplifies experience. When we are surprised for better or for worse, our emotions intensify up to 400%. So if you're surprised with something positive, 
we will feel more intense feelings of joy and happiness than we would have absent the surprise. So when you first release your anticipatory design experience, you have a very good shot at surprising people, and I hope that's a pleasant one, because if your designs hit the sweet spot, you turn, you instantly rather, you instantly turn an average user into one that raves about your product. Talk to first-time Tesla owners and they will rave about how different it is compared to any of the other cars they've known or driven. How as they approach the car, the door handle gently slides out to greet them. How as they get into the car, it's already on. They don't need to turn a key or push a button. How as the car approaches their home, the car opens up the garage door in anticipation. It's no wonder that Tesla ranks the number one in Consumer Reports list of car brands with 90% of owners saying they'll buy a Tesla again. So those were the psychological principles and let's do a quick recap. We talked about the principle of least effort, the feeling of being understood, the desire to feel important, and finally, surprise amplifies experience. Now you might say, hasn't user experience design always been about anticipating user, user needs? Yes, it has and it will always be. So why is it that we are talking about it now? Because it is now that we are collecting huge amounts of user data, which makes us understand their behaviors, their preferences. With advancements in machine learning and access to contextual data, we can predict these behaviors. So this shift in technology requires a shift in design thinking, a thinking that evolves from presenting users with choices to making these choices for them. One Monday morning, 100 million Spotify users woke up to find a new playlist waiting for them. It was a custom mixtape of 30 songs. Some of them they might not have listened to before, but will probably like. The playlist will be delivered to them every Monday morning, and it will be updated weekly. And Spotify called this playlist Discover Weekly. And it was a smash hit. And I'd like to read two of the Twitter comments in there, the one on the right. It's nice when someone just gets you. Looking at you, Spotify, Discover Weekly knows me better than I know myself. And the one at the bottom, Discover Weekly is like having a crush in university. I can't wait for the weekend to be over. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite. Um, so Spotify or Discover Weekly, it didn't ask users what uh, tracks they like. It didn't ask them what genres they like. Yet it completely redefined the concept of user-created playlists. And how did they do that? Turns out they use the power of machine learning and they use a combination of some recommendation models and here's my understanding of how it works. So the first model they used is we both like similar things. So you and I might have similar preferences in music but there are some tracks, there might be some tracks that I am aware of that you might not be aware of or similarly there might be some tracks that you listen to that I might not be listening to so wouldn't it make sense to swap these recommendations. So that's the first model. The second is we both like things that are blue, which goes one level deeper into the attributes of those tracks. Like what's the artist, who's the artist, what's the genre, what's the tempo, <coughs> excuse me. Spotify uses this information to find similar tracks for recommending you. And the third is I wonder what else is out there. So Spotify would go scour the web, try to find, um, the blogs people are where people are talking about music, social media where people are talking about music, what adjectives they are using to describe a particular track, but more importantly, 
what other tracks are being discussed alongside them, which helps them discover new artists and new tracks which feed back into the recommendation model. It is with a combination of these three, Spotify creates a highly personalized curated playlist for you. So that's how Discover Weekly works. Next, I wanna talk about Nest Learning Thermostat. Now, we all know about it. It has existed for quite a long time now, but I love this, this particular product because it has a really sophisticated system under a deceptively simple UI. You get the thermostat, you install it, you set your temperature preferences, and over the next few days, as you go on setting your temperature preferences, it learns, and then it's hands-free. How does it work? Uh, well, it uses multiple information sources. It uses your temperature preferences. It uses machine learning to, to derive your temperature preferences based on your usage. It uses its sensors to detect whether you are in the house or not in the house, and it uses contextual information like weather, local weather information to figure out what's the temperature outside to be able to calibrate the temperature inside the house. It is with a combination of these information sources. It creates a highly personalized schedule for you, and it just works. More recently, Google announced Smart Compose for Gmail. So you start typing the sentence, and it can predict the next few words, and it can complete the sentence for you. And my reaction when I first saw this was, <laughs> well, the sound didn't come through, but what he's saying, maybe some of you already know, he says, I love you. You complete me. <laughs> I never thought I would say these words, but here I am saying these words. But anyway, so that's what, that's what you missed in the audio there. Anyway, so these are a few examples where a combination of machine learning and contextual data is, uh, is used to power anticipatory design experiences. But the next point I want to make is you do not expect machine learning to tell you what problem to solve. Spotify team did not ask machine learning what problem should we be solving. Turns out they discovered a trend. They discovered a trend that users were spending considerably more time on curated playlists, which is one tap play, than browsing for music. And they wanted to bring the effortlessness of a curated playlist with the personalization of a created playlist, and they wanted to bring these two experiences together, and they used machine learning to do that. So don't expect machine learning to tell you what problem to solve for. It is where you as a designer, as a researcher come in. You need to figure out what problem to solve for, of course, and you need to figure out if machine learning is the right tool to solve that problem. Which brings me to the next point. Not all anticipatory design experiences need sophisticated machine learning algorithms. There are other patterns that you can use, and here are three of them. First one, you can use historical information. I was in France for a conference, and I was using Uber to commute between my hotel location and the co conference location. Uber recognized this pattern, and when I was at the hotel, it would recommend me, it would give me shortcuts to the conference location, and when I was at the conference, it would recommend me hotel as the shortcut. This is not sophisticated machine learning, it's just intelligent use of historical information. The next pattern you could use is contextual information. Once again, Uber and Lyft, they don't ask you what your start location is. They assume your start location is the location where you are at. Again, no machine learning, just 
intelligent use of contextual information. And the third one is choice elimination. A lot of Michelin star restaurants have prefix menus. So the only choice or the decision that you have to make is whether or not you want to dine at that restaurant. So you can focus on the dining experience and not worry about the 400 different choices on the menu. You can use that concept in your designs as well. So the three patterns which do not require machine learning. Which brings us to the next point. How do you design these experiences? Is there a different design process for that? I don't think so, because like all design, anticipatory design is, it starts with user empathy, and there's no different design process. However, there are a few tools that you could use as catalysts to create these experiences. First one, my first recommendation would be to start with the story. After you've done your user research, your ethnographic studies, contextual inquiries, and after you have got a good sense of what the users are looking for and um, how they plan to use your app or product that you are building, sit down and write a story. And by story, I don't mean intricate illustrations or animation. No, just pen and paper, Word doc, Google doc, whatever you're comfortable with, sit down and write a story about how the user is going to use your product. Not from the point the user starts using your product, but the point before that, how they even get to your product. But sit down and write a story. Because when you write a story, you subconsciously live the experience, which makes it much, much easier for you to anticipate a user need. When you write a story, you try to rationalize the steps your characters take which helps you understand their decision-making process. It helps you understand the triggers. Why did they even get to your app in, or, or the product in the first place? And the additional help, which you might not have even thought about, which might you, might you might have considered out of the scope of the product or the app. It helps you figure out all of those steps and in, include them in your design process. So start with the story. Second, understand triggers. Every action is a reaction. You go grocery shopping because you realize you've run out of milk. You call up a friend because maybe you want to invite them to a party. Maybe you realize you haven't spoken to them in a long time and you want, you want to just catch up. But every action is a reaction. And you cannot create anticipatory experiences unless you understand the triggers. And a really simple technique that has worked for me in the past is creating a trigger map. It's just a fancy term. It's nothing but a simple table. Map triggers with actions and agency. Let me give you an example. So let's say we're building a meeting scheduling app. An action might be Matt schedules a meeting with Amy. Trigger might be Amy reached out to him asking for a sync up, and the agency might be a Slack message. So Amy used a Slack message to reach out, reach out to Matt asking him for a sync up. Now, when you map it this way, you can think about possible solutions at some point. So a possible solution in this case could be a schedule or a meet now button, a contextual button that pops up in Slack whenever a message with meeting intent is shared. So that's an example of how you could use triggers and, and map them out to, to build possible solutions. Third point, challenge every user input. Now, after you have, excuse me, after you have figured out your tasks 
uh, that your product will perform, create a list of all the inputs required to accomplish a particular task. So again, taking the meeting example, for scheduling a meeting, you might need information like who's, who to meet, when to meet, for how long, and where to meet. Now, after you've listed these inputs, challenge every input, do you really need to ask the user for these inputs? Are there other ways you can derive this information, or can you recommend, can you make smart defaults, or anything that you can do to make that process easier? For instance, who to meet? can be derived, like if you were, if you take the previous example, a Slack message, who to meet, Amy, if she reached out to Matt, asking for a sync up, there is the information, Matt would want to meet with Amy. When to meet, that information might also be contained in the message, it might be very specific, let's meet at 11 a.m., or it might be a bit vague, but it might also have a sense of urgency, like let's meet tomorrow, it's important, let's meet as soon as possible, and you can, possibly interact with the calendaring system to figure out the availability to find the best time to meet. For how long? Uh, maybe you can use historical information. Maybe Matt always schedules meetings that are 45 minutes long. So you can use that as a default and Matt can override it if he wants. Where to meet can also be derived, like for instance, if it's an online meeting, you could just pop in a meeting URL. Point is, when you create a list of every user input and you challenge every input, you might start thinking about ways in which you can intelligently provide answers or at least some recommendations where it makes the process, selection process a lot easier for the user. So challenge every user input. Fourth, and finally, <clears throat> I wanna talk about contextual prioritization. Now we are all aware of prioritization, which is use case prioritization, which means whether or not we should build a particular feature, a particular use case or not. But contextual prioritization is not about eliminating use cases, it's about contextually muting or toning down use cases that you believe are not relevant in that context. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're building a restaurant recommendation app, and as a user, I pull out the app, and this time I'm at home, um, I most likely would like to know information about the restaurants in the vicinity that I can go to. Now let's say, you launch the app for the second time, but this time you're not at home, but you are at the restaurant. In this case, you might be more interested in what the restaurant has to offer, in other words, the menu. Instead of a list of restaurants, you should be presenting a list of items at that restaurant, more contextually aware. So that's, that's what I mean by contextual prioritization. So let's quickly recap the four tools and techniques that you can use as catalysts for anticipatory design experiences. First is start with a story, understand triggers, challenge every user input, and finally use contextual prioritization to your advantage. So now we, we talked about why anticipatory design is perhaps better design, why, how, how do you design anticipatory experiences, now let's talk about some of the things that you need to do steer clear of. Some of the things that you need to watch out for. <coughs> Excuse me. Do not take away all choices. Now, I know anticipatory design is about el eliminating needless choices, but I would caution against going too far with this and taking away all choices. Because choices, needless choices, do create fatigue, but choices also, meaningful choices, also give us a sense of control. So you do, know, you do not want to take that control away. 
Second, do not create a filter bubble. Mark Zuckerberg once said, a squirrel dying in your front yard may be more relevant to your interests right now than people dying in Africa. With anticipatory design, it is very easy to create experiences that trap the user in a bubble. A filter bubble where their preferences and ideas get a boost and challenging ideas or uncomfortable truth cannot reach. Yes, anticipatory design is about creating experiences where you enable users to find the information as quickly, as easy as possible, but why not build a small window into that, that lets them peek outside of their echo chamber. So do not create a filter bubble. Do not make it a black box. Not at least unless you have established trust. Users are more likely to trust your product if they know how it works. And by that, I don't mean throwing in the complexity of your machine learning algorithm in their face, but a simple explanation wherever needed. For instance, Google Maps has built in, built in affordances that tell you heavy traffic, for instance, on a shorter route is why it is recommending you a longer route that might be quicker. This might be more, more relevant and more important in cases where the stakes are higher. For instance, if you built a software that recommends changing the marketing strategy of a multi-billion dollar company, the CMO of the company would need a little more explanation than, well, the software said that. So, Provide a simple explanation wherever needed and don't make it a black box. Fourth, account for fallouts and lack of control. And this is gonna happen more often than you think it will. Your machine learning algorithms are not gonna get it right all the time. Your anticipatory designs are not always gonna anticipate the user needs correctly. Account for that. Provide a way out. For instance, I'll, I'll take the user Uber example again. Um, it assumes your start location is your current location, but you can change it if you want. So account for fallout and respect user privacy. You know, Facebook has been, again, Facebook has been in news uh, in the recent days for all the wrong reasons and we don't need to get into that right now. But I have to say this anticipatory design relies on a lot of user data. And in some cases, this data might be highly personal or sensitive. Now, I know there have been talks about regulating this data and how do we you know, build the best experiences around it so that it doesn't compromise privacy, but what can you and I today as designers and researchers do? Well, at least you can make the users fully aware of their data being collected and how you're going to use that data. Ask for permissions for accessing user data and make it clear, don't just disguise it using clever UI tricks. You, you press the sign up button and you have automatically accepted all the terms and conditions and basically given your soul away or whatever. So respect user privacy. Let me recap the pitfalls, the things that you need to steer clear of. Don't take away all choices. Do not create a filter bubble. Do not create a black box account for fallouts and lack of control, respect user privacy. And finally, I would say push boundaries and have some fun when you're creating these experiences. Anticipatory design and what I talked about today, the examples and everything, it's happening right now, it's not the future, it is right now. These are baby steps, I believe, in a direction for design 
that is truly anticipatory. So my message would be embrace anticipatory design and push your designs one level up. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, questions for Yogesh. Thank you for listening to this presentation from UX Australia 2018. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.